I'm just going to record. I'm just going to record because you know what? This is an impromptu podcast. We've been meaning to do this for a while. So like, let's, let's do this. We'll just talk MLS cup, you know? Yeah. We'll talk about, um, Toronto FC, I think should come up. And also I think we should probably discuss the Seattle Sounders. Well, th- those are two, uh, two perfect topics for this week. I guess there's, there is a game on this weekend, I guess it's, it's been a while, um, since there's been a game on a weekend. So, uh, but right. I guess there's there's one this weekend. So and it's weirdly in the afternoon, which I find right strange. I guess thinking back, MLS Cup was done in the afternoon. I remember seeing like LA Galaxy won a Sunday afternoon game, so it's not like unprecedented. Yeah. But I felt like maybe we kind of grew out of that a bit. Yeah, I guess last year it seemed like it was more of kind of a. Um, it, it was later on in the in the afternoon, like I think it was four o'clock ish in Seattle. Like I remember it being dark outside when it was PK when PKs were you know go happening. Yeah, it was like a seven thirty Eastern time thing, which is pretty standard. Um, I thought it was like in the evening, so I remember being well. I don't remember. Anyway, this is earlier. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna be one o'clock for you. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about you know uh, games in the afternoon? You good for games in the afternoon? I I don't mind them. I, I I like for a championship for the spectacle. I feel like an evening game is better. But I will also say that it'll probably be a little bit warmer. Right, and um, I think that that's probably the best move because you know you're probably taking on a lot more uh, risk for personnel later on in the evening, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So this is what they're going to do. And, um, you know, my MLS season will be done by Saturday evening. So <laughs> there we go. So so looking at it then from a tactical side, how do you think that changes? Do you think it opens the game up a little bit more? Because I think maybe last year it being late in the day, some of the personnel, for especially on Seattle side, not being there, I think, you know, you kind of force it into, uh, uh, into a little bit more, uh, I guess you'd say, half-court type game. Um, whereas now I feel like it'll be a little, both teams will be a little bit more themselves. I feel like that will be true, but not because of the time of day. I mean, I think when you get to this point in the season, a championship game, I think you're, you're going to be going all out no matter the hour. Um, but I, I, well, I, do think yeah, we'll see a but, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's easily a 15 degree difference. Okay. Yeah, we're talking be. about being, we're talking about ab- being above freezing versus being below freezing, right? Yeah. No, definitely, and you won't see. Uh, gosh, I remember last year there were a lot of painful-looking things that happened. But I'm trying to think, it was Ozzy, maybe Ozzy Alonso, that got kicked in the face with the ball like really hard. Yeah. And I was just like, that must have been. I mean, that had to be a rock hitting him, and it was it was really really bad. So hopefully, some of that won't be um, on the table because Ozzy barely survived that game. Well, and and God bless him. You actually won't be around yeah. tomorrow uh, or this weekend. Is he definitely uh, out, unfortunately. Out? Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, that's what's, that's what's being reported anyways, you know. I thought maybe um, he might make a, a bench appearance. <sighs> There's a part of me that feels like that would make a lot of a lot of sense uh, for Seattle. Like, even if he's... Uh, I just think it's really way, a little bit weird to do physicals. So, and I don't I guess Thursday's not that early, but... At this stage, I mean, I feel like doing a physical right before the game would make a little bit more sense, um, especially because you're not giving away all the cards. I feel like then, you you know, you can kind of plan for some things because, I mean, in this type of game, I mean, you're you're not just planning for early game tactics. You're also planning for late game tactics as well, right? Yeah. Like you have to consider both those options. Yeah, and I think for... that if you, you're taking that into consideration, Ozzy is obviously probably one of the first two off the bench. If you're, uh, you know, you, if you're looking at it from Toronto FC's perspective, that you're game planning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, a lot can be said, like, again, if the guy's not healthy, he's not healthy and don't, don't waste a tactical slot on him. Um, but but if he can go 20, 30 minutes, I mean, aside from it's uh, that's your captain, you know, like that 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 kind of stuff, like his presence in that in this sort of game is important, I think. No, I would agree with that. No, absolutely. Even I mean, it's it, I mean, it's it's <laughs> we can even no, no, absolutely uh, emotions play into big into a big part of the, these games. Yeah. I mean. Uh, look, you know, uh, we can't measure how much someone cares about something. I mean, that's always, you know, kind of the joke about uh, watching someone run after a ball or chase down a ball. You know, you people are automatically uh, talking about someone's emotions or talking about someone's uh, inflection on how much they really care. And, you know, we always get these really trite commentaries on it. But, I mean, ultimately, um, I, I think that the, emotionally, you, you sometimes you – maybe not for these types of games, but I think emotionally it, it just kind of helps. I know for me, um, when I'm at work, I have a couple guys that when they're in for that day and they're working on the same project, I get kind of excited. Like I'm, I'm a little bit more tuned into my game. I know that sounds silly and I can't necessarily quantify it, but I'm more zeroed in on my game because I know I got my buddy's got my back, right? Chemistry Which is a matters. little bit different than it does it it does and and it's not to say that yeah there's a lot of things that you can probably try to infer from there that may or may not be right uh but i i think feeling has a lot to go about in one game playoffs right and one off game situations to where there's so much variance mm-hmm. um yeah you you have to you kind of have to do and maximize those small things and hope to gain that small little bit of measured advantage. I agree. And looking at it from Toronto's perspective, you've obviously got uh, Josie, who is kind of a little bit, um, I don't think it's as dire as uh, Alonzo's situation, but he picked up a knock uh, in in the last playoff match. We saw him uh, limp his way and then seemed to get pretty pretty healed up to score and celebrate and they got seem to be hurt again. Um, but evidently he's picked up a knock. So like, that's a, a concern for Toronto. Um, is that again, is that somebody that you, uh, if it's 50, 50 on that day, you go in and you're the coach and you say like, ah, you know, like he, he, I don't know what to do here. Is that somebody you just, you throw caution to the wind or do you bring that guy on late? Well, I, all right. So there's a two part, right? Because if the game goes to overtime again, you get another sub. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. Which, that's, that's, that's which also kind of uh, game plans your bench a little bit more because now you have an extra position to possibly go into and think about, well, if we're headed to PKs, it might just be worth it to have Josie to kick a ball into the net, right? Like, uh, you oh, know, absolutely. he has a good right. past history with PKs, um, at least from my recollection. I mean, I haven't done a whole study on it, but just looking, thinking back uh, recently, I feel like he's had a really good history on uh, <laughs> of success when it comes to uh, penalty kicks. Last year, at least, he certainly did. He was one for one. Yeah, so. uh, and you know, when you look at a team like Toronto, and that's a team that actually has some problems with penalty kicks, um, you definitely want those guys that you can kind of depend on. Uh, Oddly enough, yeah, that's a good call. Uh, yeah, missed yeah. how many this year? Uh, he missed two, um, but one of them he missed twice, but it was the same penalty kick, technically. Um, right, that's that's what I was thinking. That's because uh, our, our our friend Eric was at the game. Yeah, um, but Toronto missed. Uh, Toronto made seven of 11 during the regular season. I actually can't believe I have stats for this. Um, <laughs> I looked at the other night. <laughs> um, see, mental preparation. Uh, they were 7 for 11 in the regular season, and then uh, Vasquez missed one uh, in the playoffs. And I think maybe someone made one in the playoffs for them. Uh, so maybe 8 for 12, 7 for 12, which is not – that's not great. Uh, yeah, it's maybe one below average. I, I, I think this is such a mental game that it's hard to say because – Well, 8 for 12, I mean, that's like 66%. That's not, that's not a good penalty conversion rate no it's it, right but i mean nine for 12 all of a sudden you're sitting about average do you see you know what i'm saying it's such a small sample size i mean true. penalty That's kicks true. in general are such a small uh, such a small sample size that uh yeah javinko probably not as good as what we would suspect uh at um and I feel like did he make his last year at the MLS Cup? I don't remember. He actually I remember Josie's. Uh he did not make it to the That's United right, game. he yeah. subbed off. Yeah, he got a cramp That's and came right. off at sixty minutes around there, I believe. I was talking about this with a Toronto fan of mine, and he was very um much against that. Uh it's <laughs> just sort of like you gotta keep playing Who cares? Like you know, Ozzy's out there with three pins in his knees and like a, a morphine needle hanging out. Like <laughs> stay out there. What's that old it's yeah. that old water boy uh, Dan Faust joke. You can never, you never hold anything back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <Get out>. uh, <laughs> right? And uh, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, you say that in jest. You know, neither of us want you know somebody to jeopardize the, their no, livelihood not, over one yeah. game. But at, at the same time, I mean, you, you and that game was so. I mean, literally, I think the start time was one of the coldest MLS games or MLS Cup games. What it was like, eighteen or nineteen degrees? Yeah, I don't think Fahrenheit. I mean, I mean, there's really no other place where it would be colder. I mean, maybe Minnesota now. Well, yeah, Minnesota. I know. Remember for SKC, the ground was actually oh, yeah. frozen the morning of uh, SKC versus RSL. Yeah, that game was that game was pretty cold. But that was they the game time started above freezing and then it went into like the mid 20s or late high 20s by the end of the game I make, so i remember that was tough can i make a crazy suggestion for major league soccer yes. if you're listening don garber we know you listen yeah maybe you don't have 
Maybe have less playoffs and don't have playoff games in freezing weather. Like, right? like it's December. It's December 9th, 10th, 11th. That's that's not that's not a good time to be playing soccer in America. I really like the idea of doing a couple of one-off games and then having an MLS Cup at the before the break or having it just after or something to that effect. I you know, I, I kind of you know there's a there's a part of me that that's kind of partial to the I know the US men's national team is going to have the international break. That's a FIFA mandated break. Um so the league has to respect it. And I kind of like it because it gives teams such as Seattle, such as Toronto, such as even even Portland, for instance, um, who is a little banged up, um, the opportunity to maybe heal up the right personnel. And look, as the as the team that over 30 plus games showed themselves tried and true to be the one of the better organizations this season they should have an ample opportunity to present everyone healthy for the what mls considers to be the main prize and that is mls cup which is really difficult to do at the end of the season yeah that's why a lot of so, that's why no one else does it like this <laughs> right well i mean you know no that's not okay that's not uh entirely true other sports there are a few well, other sports do it like this. There's other leagues that do have, um, you know, championship playoffs. Oh, the promotional uh, stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's just, not just promotional. That's like two games. Liga, M- Liga MX, though. Okay, but uh, Liga MX has a championship. They have a playoff and championship. Um, that's uh, there are other leagues that decide to do it a different way. I think I'm okay with it. I, for me, it's never going to be the number one prize in my heart of heart. I'm sorry, Supporter Shield. Uh, look, Toronto FC was by far the best team from start to finish. They were. So, There's no argument, and no one's trying to argue otherwise. However, what's kind of unfair to me is, and, and you know, we both you know hail from the Seattle region, so it, it's a little tongue in cheek that uh, I say this at least. It's a it's a little sad to me that the Sounders get to come in to Toronto and have an opportunity to kind of steal some of that thunder because in the end, people are are more apt to remember the Sounders winning MLS Cup than Toronto FC winning the Supporters Shield. Oh, at, which absolutely. If Toronto, if irritates Toronto me. does not win MLS Cup, this season will be considered, as good as it was, it will be considered a failure ultimately. And it's sad that that's true, but it'll be written like that. It'll be memorized like that. The players will feel that because this is the prize. This is the parade. This is the the star on the jersey. Uh, you know, your name in the record books. For whatever reason, we've decided that's the way we're going to do it. And so that's kind of where I we're at. That. I don't love it either. I, I don't that. love it either. I feel like Toronto won the league, and we could have just called that that. But this is a unique aspect of our league. And so I, I'm, I'm learning to embrace it and just accept it now. Uh, the big prize still on the line and Seattle could very well come in there one more time and take it. So let me ask you this. Can Seattle beat this Toronto team? Yes. I agree that they can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. <laughs> go on. I'll, okay, uh, go on. Uh, I'll, no, no, no I'll, I'll, let you, I'll um, let you follow up. <laughs> but how does that look? How does that work? How do you beat this Toronto um, team? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think that there's a lot of people trying to figure that out currently um, because I think it works both ways. I think I think they're both really comparable teams, uh, just in my mind's eye, without really a lot of uh, preparation. I think Seattle's more apt to take shots. They're more creative. Um, I think that... Uh, Toronto does enough with possession that they're going to try for a little bit of a possession game, but I feel like Seattle has to win the, the midfield, uh, and it, that, that sounds so... Uh, <laughs> what's yeah, the, I know what you Whatever mean. the word is. Yeah, like... It sounds like regurgitated crap, right? Is like, you have to win the midfield battle. Seriously, I yeah. think Roald Dawn has to show... And we've been arguing about it on Twitter for the last, uh, you know, week and a half. Roll down has to show he's better in the midfield than Michael Bradley, and that's what it's going to come down to. Um, I, I feel like Michael Bradley has to be disrupted. Um, otherwise, he's going to set a really great tone and a really good pace for Toronto, and he's going to pick his spots within the midfield because he's not the he's not the orchestrator. Yeah, he throws a lot of long balls, and you know his long balls are really good. But the thing is, he's actually a below average passer when the in the final third. So if he wants to continue throwing balls into the into the final third, I'm actually okay with that. I'm more worried about his uh, east-west passing and opening up um, uh, slots along that backfield because, look, um, and I said backfield, back line, Roman Torres, Chad Marshall, neither one are really agile, right? Like So that back line, if it can be stretched at all east to west, you're going to have guys like Giovinco and Josie who are going to run into those passing lanes, take that ball, and go. Um I think that if Michael Bradley is apt to try to make those passes happen, Ramon Torres is fast enough to where he's usually going to track those down. Uh, Nuhu especially and uh, Kevin uh, Leardam are going to be able to get that. Kelvin Leardam. Um, both of them are going to be able to track those balls down. I'm more worried with the east-west passing that's going to open up passing lanes um, sideways and them getting behind the back line that way. Uh, that's just me personally within my mind's eye. Uh, Seattle, it's a little bit different, right? They're they're really good about um, creating gaps within that back line, and I think you have to do that. There's going to be that three back line that Toronto goes with. And the question is, who's going to be healthy and who do they go with? I, I think they've kind of shown a little bit of... I don't want to say fragility, um, but you know what I mean. You know, with everything that's been going on with Drew Moore and um, some of the things, uh, I, I feel like they swapped, made a couple swap outs. Uh, Justin Morrow is probably going to be out wide. You'll have Stephen Bettishore out on the other side. And then the question is, how will uh, Will Bruin do with, you know, Ladero and with uh, Dempsey? And is it, will it be Victor Rodriguez or will they do Joven Jones out wide? Um, so, I think that there, there's going to be a lot of these one, two touch passes to where people get into um, places and passing lanes. And I think that um, you're going to have to go out wide and work your way in, into the box. And I think that you're going to see a lot of crosses from Seattle's perspective, which automatically I'm convulsing over and <laughs> feel really sick to my stomach that I'm even saying that. Uh, yes, that's true, though. Uh, what, 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 I mean, do you agree, disagree? I'm sure you have a different take altogether. I... Okay, if you'll allow me uh, for a moment to be a little not analytical here, 
and that statistic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's 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 do it. <laughs> I think the way to beat this Toronto team, honestly, is that uh, I mean we watched against the New York Red Bulls where they almost just beheaded themselves for no reason in a throwaway second leg game uh, because they lost their temper. Uh, they got upset, like, when Josie and Sebastian Javinko, when they don't get calls, they get angry and flustered. They start, like, gesticulating at refs. They start getting bad. And those guys don't play well when they're mad. They tend to play a lot worse, and they get sloppy. Um, and I think that if, like, a couple things don't go their way early, they can fall into that because they've got this huge pressure on them, being the greatest team in MLS history and the surefire favorites and hosting at home. And I thought in the playoffs you could kind of start to see that crack a little bit. Um, and so I, I think that there might be a way if, if Seattle can find a way to gain like a mental edge early in the game, that'll serve them really, really well throughout. And of course, remembering what, remembering what happened last year and with penalties, uh, I, I think the mental game has got to be in Seattle's favor right now. And that's something I think they could kind of, um, I, I don't know exactly how, and maybe this is something Schmetzer can come up with, uh, but a way to get that, get into their heads early, uh, and really kind of, uh, put that pressure on them fast. Um, Another thing I, I, I think that serves Seattle well in this match is that uh, Seattle don't give up a lot of stupid fouls, um, surprisingly. Like, they're actually the, the lowest fouling like, team uh, in Major League Soccer, I believe. Uh, and Toronto really is dangerous from set pieces. So, uh, in, you know, against, uh, you know, the New York Bills, you know, if they didn't get a couple of the set pieces, like, you know, they're, they're not even in this game. Um well, and exactly, and that's and that's kind of the thing, right, is New York is apt to do that, and I feel like that's kind of something that they relied on. They hoped that Felipe would be Felipe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. You, you can almost always count on him for, like, one or two stupid fouls. Uh, I completely agree. I don't think that there's somebody in this uh, in the Sounders lineup that you can kind of say, well, they're, they're going to make a stupid foul. Now, like Roman Torres, he could make a stupid pass, and you could get drunk. Uh, you could have, like, alcohol poisoning if you drink every <laughs> time you saw a bad right. pass. That being said... Um, I, I don't think they're, they're a very mistake or error prone uh, club. If they're, if I'm Toronto and if there's any sort of, and, and you're probably not going to like this very much, uh, because I'm going to say Toronto needs to score that FIFA goal. Uh, they need to get the ball to the byline and play it back up towards the top of the box. They've got so many options of late runners and, and good strikers of the ball there. Um, and I really, Toronto? Yeah, and I really think they're going to want to run at Nuhu um, if I'm them. Kid's good, but the kid is a little clumsy. The kid is prone to just go on little mental larks, and it's kind that's of that's actually if I, I, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I'm exact opposite. I a I think I think if I'm Toronto, I don't want the ball in the air at all. I think Seattle would beat them. Oh no 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 I no, mean, no no air, no 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 uh, airily. I want I want ground crosses. I want balls from the byline rolled back up towards the top of the box to a late running Vasquez or, or Bradley or. Um, Delgado. Okay. Yeah, you know, those kind of Osorio if he's in there. Um, the one thing about that, though, and this is the this is what's really been fascinating is Seattle's really good about making sure when they allow that, they, they're jamming people into the box, right? Um, I mean, they're, I mean, let's, Toronto's been better at, you know, disallowing 
uh, or limiting shots, disallowing, uh, limiting shots from bad places. But Seattle, really out of the West, aside from like the great sport in Kansas City, which is really annoying at how good they are at limiting shots, um, Seattle was really the other team that, st- that sticks out from the West that did a really good, good job. And um, out of the playoff teams, Dallas, FC was second. Um, but Seattle is really good at not just limiting, but putting bodies in the box. And most of that time it's to limit that aerial crossing. But the other side effect uh, and causation of that is having all these people in the box creates really hard chances. I mean, we, you can even go back to like Houston, why Houston kept having to make, take shots from outside the box was because there was just so full at times inside the box, there was no way to dribble into it. And that's kind of, they had the personnel that wanted to dribble into it, right? They wanted to find these and, and cut into the box. And uh, I think that that actually plays to uh, Giovinco style. I think Giovinco is just going to turn and shoot a lot. I've, if I had to guess how many shots he'd take, I'd put his over under at six. Yeah, that seems uh, pretty fair. <laughs> I would, I would think so. I mean, too. yeah, I'll... the guy, the guy lights him up. I mean, like that's what he does. He, he's a, he's a, he's a high volume shooter, uh, and that's been a very successful way for him uh, to score. So, uh, it's almost about making sure those shots are kind of outside, and that he's sort of getting the ball with his back to goal, um, and trying to create from that kind of position, than actually being able to run, uh, which he's so good at for Seattle. I think. Well, and to flip this around, you know, I, I said at the beginning, I really think this is about Christian rolled on um, showing that he's better than Michael Bradley. And that's not just disrupting Bradley and what he does, but also rolled on taking it to the other side. I mean, I think most of us, uh, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but it was crazy that Ladero's not, I mean, he's the number 10, but he doesn't really, I mean, he kind of is, but he's not. You, you'd look at it from an analyticals perspective. He's at the number 10, but how they kind of line him up off to the right. It, it's crazy town. It's crazy town USA. And what has been a byproduct of that is rolled on now has to kind of quote unquote facilitate that to some uh, respect. The thing about Ladero is he's all over the place. So like him being on the right side doesn't really, but my point that I could, crazily bring back to neutral Christian Roldan has been responsible for not just the defense and the disruption of the other number eight and number six and that yeah that symbiotic relationship but also transitioning that game into the attack so that he can help create those opportunities going forward he's uh, and I really think that he's the key in this game uh, it's weird that we're talking about a team that has Clint Dempsey and Nico Lodero and, you know, big time players. Um, uh, you know, I guess Alonzo probably is, would usually be probably the focus of this point, but his health status is, uh, you know, made that impossible. But it, it looks like it's going to be this, this kid, Christian Old <laughs> that's going to be kind of the most important player on this field. And um, I, have made this very clear to anyone that, that, that follows me on Twitter and in our group uh, where we talked that, you know, I have just a huge fan of the, of the kid. Uh, I think he's been phenomenal this year and one of the best players uh, in the league, which a lot of people um, uh, do not agree with. And that's, that's fine. 
uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we can argue. I'd, I'd love to. <laughs> Any opportunity I, I can get, I will. Uh, but um, the one thing that, that's different from him and Bradley, and we've been kind of talking about this today a lot, um, and this is really the only criticism of Roald Dahn I've heard that I consider to be like actually pretty accurate, uh, and that's that uh, Roald Dahn's passing range is significantly less than that of somebody like Michael Bradley. Um, how does that sort of affect Seattle's transition? Could they use somebody to do more of those kind of spray balls from deep, kind of spread defense out that? Or do you see well, Roldan as more of a here's tempo the... guy? Yeah, see, so Roldan isn't just a tempo guy. He does that. Um, and I think with the being that you have both Dempsey and Ladero, they drop so far back that you don't have to rely on Roldan. I don't think his passing is so much limited uh, so much as that's not being asked of him. What's phenomenal is it doesn't with Roldan, it doesn't matter with if it's in the middle third, defensive third, or attacking third, his passing is always really good. And, and we can see that looking at our expected passing rating up on the uh, on AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. He's actually above average in all three zones. And that's it might be because he does um, in some way play such a, a a number of, or you could say it's because he, he delivers so many east to west passes and so many short range north south. But the thing about that is, is that that's a weighted passing rating, right? So we would, he's still performing better than what we would expect, better than what his peers would be at making those passes. Now, maybe that's because he's playing with Dempsey and maybe that's because he's playing with, you know, Ladero. Um, I think those are, arguments to be had, but I don't think that he's being asked to deliver these long balls. In fact, one of the best passes of the year I can remember went from Roldan to, I think it was Jones. Um, it was a huge switch um, about two thirds of the season through, and it just it blew me away because I don't think I'd ever seen him do something. I'll have to dig it up yeah, and, and send like it to, to you. But um, but I, I think with how far back that Dempsey and both uh, Ladero drop, and really even Will Bruin anymore, he's been dropping back, that they don't ask him to do anything different in either the middle or the final third. They're asking him to make these one-two touch passes and then move, touch and move. He's a metronome, but it doesn't matter where he's at, he's going to be delivering. And I think that's different than what Bradley is. Bradley kind of has a, a multitude of different roles depending on where he's at, you know, whether it's that long ball or whether that's in the final third, being the metronome, which to be perfectly honest, he's not very good at in the final third. Um, he, he seems like he overplays a lot of his opportunities, uh, but neither here nor there. Roldan is going to really be one of those key figures because not only is he responsible for being that person that's opening up running lanes and passing lanes, he's going to be doing the running himself. And he works so well with both Ladero and Dempsey to where he's giving these, uh, these give and go type basketball moves and to where he's cutting or he's sending the ball West and he's cutting North and opening up room. And, and if you're not tracking these guys, the, these sounders, these one, two passes can really open up some space behind defenders and create problems. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I think one of the things we saw that a stat that got posted, I 
uh, share a lot to say that I honestly, uh, as much as I'm in charge of the Church of Roldan, um, didn't even, I, uh, leads the MLS, the MLS, whoops, uh, <laughs> leads Major League Soccer. <laughs> just edit that out. Fourth time I've heard that yeah. today, just but just yeah. FYI, with all the this MLS is, Cup stuff going on. This when we have breaks, and I keep saying the MLS Cup is, is yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, leads Major League Soccer uh, in tackles this year. Um, that's yeah. sort of crazy, isn't it? Well, it's what's crazy about it isn't just that he's leading it; it's he's doing it at nearly a seventy-five percent clip. So, like you know, there's a whole war today that started out with you know, uh, or maybe it started yesterday. I don't remember. Uh, you know, Ben Bear saying you can't um, you can't just uh, look at a quality of a player by the uh, mass amount of accumulation of events, which is you know uh, probably a fair assessment in some in a lot of ways. Um, that being said, you can look at how successful he is in doing that. And part of the re- Roldan is enabled to make those tackles most of the time because of that relationship with Svensson, also with you know Torres and Marshall, right? So he's enabled to do that. It's not just that he's able to do that. He's able to do that on the defensive side and then do everything he does passing-wise on the attacking side as well as um, do it as successfully. So, you know, there's a lot of people like Mateus Laba. Mateus Laba makes so many attempted tackles, but they're almost at a deficit. Uh, in fact, I think they are at a deficit. I think he's only successful like 30 or 40% of the time, which is crazy. If you're going in for th- think of how many times then you're blowing that opportunity to, to gain the ball. And that means the attackers now pass you and penetrating your defense. And now Kendall Waston, you know, we're realizing why Kendall Waston leads the league in clearances. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it it, you should be thinking, and and does. and there now we know why uh, <laughs> why Ben Bear says such things because you know obviously there's a reason why Kendall Waston leads clearances because Matthias Laba is just really crappy at completing his tackles. Um, but that being said, he's also up there. I think he's in the top five for interceptions for uh, for D mids. Um, he's really high up there, anyways, and. I think part of that is also he's really observant um, and he's allowed to roam and facilitate those passing lanes. And I think he's really, really good at picking them up. Um, and, and I think that's part of it, right? Like he has he, part of being in a two uh, central midfield relationship, kind of that quasi number eight is that he has to fill some of those spots. He has to fill passing lanes. He can't just sit that, sit back and shield the, the, defense if you will um he's gonna have to pick up runners i mean that's something that he does really well um that doesn't make the stat sheet right like the wide runners he's really good at at shuttling um i I think part of that works really well as to why he's filled in at fullback so many different times he's felt really he feels very comfortable back there um not that we want him to stay there i don't anyways I mean, wherever he's, wherever, wherever Roldan goes, he can he can do whatever he wants. Where, 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 I mean, what's the official? <laughs> what's the church's uh, official, the official stance uh, on it, sentiment is, on uh, that? That scripturally, he is a central midfielder, uh, but there are some Gnostic texts that suggest he might be good at right back. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's let's. Okay, we've talked a lot about this. Let's just go ahead and get to Harrison. We have to do it. Like, I mean, this MLS Cup show. Who's who's gonna win? <sighs> Don't do that to yeah, me. Yeah, we got to. 
Well, because I, I mean, automatically, I, like, let's just say, like, I go with Seattle. I'm already at a 64% chance of being wrong, on top of which uh, it's probably even a larger percentage uh, just because there's inherently things that I don't know. I'm less informed than uh, the probably the betting populace. So I'd say uh, I'll take Toronto just because uh, they probably have the higher percentage. They should win. They have uh, the better long-term record. They're playing at home. Um, uh, that's probably, probabilistically, that's the that's the correct choice. Okay, uh, just to be contrary and, Yeah, and everybody, you, everybody, everybody listening is going to be like, what in... Yeah, yeah, well, good. So since it would be stupid if I said Toronto now, I guess <laughs> I'll say Seattle will win because Toronto will have an emotional breakdown. There you go. I mean, it's not as if that does. That's <laughs> Seattle's a really good offensive team. Yeah, so anything can happen. And they've been shown themselves. And I don't want to quote any more about shutouts. Don't get me started on that. They, I'm really irritated about shutouts they, in the Seattle <laughs> narrative. That just pisses me off. They are now. Um, uh, you can say I, I think that there is significantly less pressure on Seattle in this match than there is Toronto, and I think that that could be enough to see uh, Seattle somehow once again uh, navigate their way to an unlikely victory, whether that's through penalties or uh, actually scoring goals. Remains to be seen, but uh, I will take a wild guess here and give this one to Seattle one nothing in regulation. <sighs> I think there's going to be a lot more goals. I think you're probably right, but I got to say something. <laughs> it's MLS. No, I, I'll say uh, no. Totally fair. Um, I actually think it'll be three-two Toronto uh, oh, wow. extra time with Toronto winning in extra time, no shootout. Okay, that's pretty specific. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I like it. That's good. That's even better. A lot more things have to happen for you to be right. Um, okay, before before we sign off on this, uh, let's. Let's do a quick year in review here. I want to go over uh, with you. We saw the end-of-season awards uh, handed out, and I kind of wanted to go over those with you for a, a few minutes and see if you agree with them for the most part or who you would have selected uh, otherwise. You think you, you can do that? Uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody wants to hear them. <laughs> oh, I definitely do. I, I, I've, I'm actually looking forward to this. Uh, okay, let's start with... Um, Rookie of the Year. Now, um, Major League Soccer players, clubs, and media decided that that belonged to one Julian Gressel of Atlanta United. Um, I voted for Abu Dan Lottie. Uh, where would you have fallen on this? Uh, I'm a, I'm Team Gressel. I really, really? am. I, I like I I liked him a lot. Um, and, and I think a lot of it stems from early on in the season. I saw him play in Seattle, and the the way he. Um, was put in a position just to shut down not just Ozzy but Ozzy and Dempsey. Um, he stayed, you know, kind of. He did exactly what was asked of him. I, like you get some rookies that 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 kind of try to do that extra mile. Like they're having really good games, and so they step. You know, they try to step with it and, and try to go. No, he just stayed. He he stayed with what was working. He stayed and did exactly what was asked of him. And in games that I watched, that's what he did. I mean, he was excellent. And that team didn't need anybody to go and be a, a, a savior. You know, they already had Joseph Martinez and, you know, um, uh, Miguel Almiron and, um, you know, Viaba being everything that they already needed. They didn't need anybody else to 
be this Superman. They just needed guys to play their role, and I thought he, I thought he was perfect. Um, I mean, like I can tell you as his fantasy owner that he was, he was far from perfect. Uh, <laughs> not, well, not, that's uh, that's that's a different story. Uh, I think honestly that hurt him in in my ballot. Uh, the fact that I owned him and saw him put up several sub sub four See point performances. Um, the uh, the ironic thing about this is I owned Din uh, Din Lottie. Oh, did you? Yeah, that's right. Did you? Do you remember that's this? Right. Like I traded that's him right. halfway through that's the right. season. You gave him to Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Gave. I think uh, he and Dunlady like, ended up with what eight goals. That's a pretty decent return on 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 the, that Minnesota side. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't realize. I that. think if you're looking at uh, a rookie of the year, some people will base that off of just what's happened in this season, and maybe that's right. Maybe that's the right way to do it. Um, I kind of also kind of take into account like which person i'm more excited for the future uh and for me i i can see don lottie being a star in this league and i don't know that i can see gressel um doing the same thing but no Gre um, but gressel i mean gressel will most likely be like he might be like a jeff low his median yeah at, like he just well i was gonna i was gonna say austin barry <laughs> uh, well hopefully not i mean uh well actually and gressel let's Let's just say long term that he'll just be like a Jeff Lorenowitz and just always be around and playing. And I, I can see him doing that. But but Don Lottie's the kind of guy that might be somewhere in the golden boot race uh, in, you know, in the next couple of years. So that was sort of um, – I feel like Gressel's role within Atlanta was a lot simpler and a, a lot less of an ask than uh, Don Lottie's role uh, on that Minnesota team. So that's ultimately why. I'll just say real, j just real fast, I think Din, Din Lottie was played out of position most of the year. Probably so, yes. And that was mostly due to the fact that the uh, asking um, Kevin Molino to play uh, a ten just absolutely in every way did not work. Yeah, they need so. to kind of readjust that. Okay. Now, I know you've got a lot of opinions on humanitarian. Of, no, we're not going to do humanitarian of the year. Um, <laughs> goalkeeper of the year. I think this one was the easiest uh, choice yeah. by far. I don't think anybody should have voted for somebody that wasn't Amelia. Uh, if there was a second place yeah. in your mind, who who would that have been? I don't know, man. That's tough. Uh, maybe Alex Bono. Maybe Stefan Fry. I don't know. I think Fry, maybe uh, his big... I think he ultimately did get second, if I remember. Um, and I think that had to do with uh, his number of clean sheets. Uh, it was really, really impressive. But, again, it, it, was, yeah. it was Amelia's yeah. award through and through. Uh, and well deserved from that man, um, and, and we hope to see um, maybe maybe him in a USMNT jersey someday, maybe, hmm. probably not. maybe January, probably not. maybe January. Uh, okay, Defender of the Year. Um, I, I have a really hard time being unbiased when it comes to Ike Opara because I love that guy. Um, he got my vote and he won, um, and I think he deserved it too. No, no, you, you're not going to get any, like, arguments. Like, um, <laughs> This is one of the things we agree on 100%, I think. Yeah, no, uh, that, that's that's really, in fact, to be perfectly honest, I just saw his name in the ballot, and I was like, okay, that's, well, you know, again, like Tim Melia, like, this is not, I mean, look, y you can look over the last few years, and this is not the most, like, deafening uh, defensive team that, uh, San, uh, excuse me, Sporting has, uh, managed to develop, but I mean, it's damn near up there. 
Like uh, yeah. the other two, Justin Morrow and Kendall Watson. Justin Morrow's on there because he scored so so many goals, had so many assists playing wing back. I mean, uh, I love yeah. the guy, but it's he's not a defender. Um, he's a decent defender. He's a really good attacking uh, flank uh, player. And Kendall Watson yeah. is just a bully that uh, has a, a really bad defensive player sitting in front of them. So, uh... <laughs> okay. Um, so that was that. Um I agree with you. And I think that one of the reasons we've seen uh, Ike Opara really become this kind of guy is this is the first year in a long time he's played most of the year. And that's really cool. So hopefully we can see some more healthy Ike Opara next year. Um, all right. This might be the – well, I know which one's going to be controversial with you, so we'll save it for last. But this one was one that got a lot of um, bickering on Twitter amongst um, the punditry types uh that was newcomer of the year that went to miguel Almiron with nemanja nikolic finishing second now nemanja nikolic won the golden boot surely he's newcomer of the year uh yeah the, not only did he like do that he also led expected goals so and not just expected goals but like expected goals and expected assists he led so uh like i'm i'm yeah i guess i can see Almiron is such an interesting player to me because when I think of him, I think of him as a great player. And he is, I think. But when I look at his numbers, they're pretty good. But, like, and I've been talking about this, like, Lee Nguyen had better stats this year. I mean, like, you know, he wasn't, like, Alison Lee Nguyen had better really, numbers this year. Yeah, no one's talking about how good of a year Louis Nguyen had. <laughs> like, I, I, hey, you know what? I said already. I, I've put it on Twitter. I think they should. I think Dallas should go after Lee Nguyen, bring him home oh, to Dallas, and I think that would be a brilliant replacement strategy for uh, Mauro Diaz, who uh, cannot, uh, for whatever reason, stay healthy. So, yeah, I shouldn't say for be, whatever yeah. reason. I mean, he had a freaking, uh, you know, having an Achilles yeah. injury is a great uh, reason for you know not being the That's same player that you once were, play. but. Uh, at the same time, uh, he's shown a propensity for injury. So, so. what's your uh, um, – so, like, if you had to put Almiron kind of in – would you have him three or four in that? Oh, he's, he's number three. Number three. Yeah, well, there's 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 uh, four. <laughs> I don't know who, who places below him. But, yeah, look, uh, Martinez was amazing. In fact, I, I, I might even have a – I think there could be a – uh, a definite argument for placing him above Nikolic, but Nikolic played every sing- single game. I can't remember the last time a starting forward in MLS. Um, I think it might have been, well, I shouldn't say it. It might have been Chris Wondolowski that had mm, it like last yeah, year. Maybe. But uh, it's it's really rare in this league for a starting uh, striker to play every game, every year. And not only that, to take a team and be part of a team that had not been in any way associated with the playoffs for the last, what, four or five seasons, and to thrust them, what, they ended up third or fourth? Yeah, they did. I don't, I don't they, quite they remember. They faltered towards the end, but there was a period there where we were like, is this Chicago Fire team the best team in MLS now? And it wasn't a short time. No, yeah. I mean, that was a legitimate. Or two there, we were wondering. Uh, as it turns out, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can't really discuss Nikolic. And then over Almiron, I think you've got to look at a guy like Allison Drini. I mean, was amazing. Allison Drini was very underrated for what he did to for LA. And let's let's just say it. LA was a complete tire fire. They were one of the worst teams in MLS, in which, I mean, it wasn't, in all honesty, like the underlying numbers, I think that they, they, 
this is a real situation where the just the complexities of all the chemistry and everything that was going wrong just compounded. I don't think this team is worse than on paper than what you'd have uh, DC United a few years ago. That being said, they were not good. Um, their defense yeah, I, was I not like good. The... Uh, but Alessandrini was amazing. He was very, yeah, very good. Um, so I would have had him with Almiron, and I probably would have put, I think with Martinez and Almiron, you could kind of do whichever bit landing guy you prefer there. But for me, Martinez had the more impressive numbers and showing. So, um, but hey, the uh, the little guy won it. So good good for Miguel Almiron. Um, let's talk about the big one now. He and this one you kind of alluded to. Coach of the year. On yeah. Twitter today. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh yeah, well, let's do coach of the year. I I, I think um, I I, think well, I don't think I, I don't think anybody would. There was, yeah. There's no. It's really hard to vote for like Toronto as team of the year. Like, there's no award for that. So I feel like that kind of goes to coach of the year sometimes. Uh, although I do think that uh, again, Vieira did very very well with what he had. Uh, I I think that Panovic like turned Chicago around very very well. I think Cabrera should have been in that conversation as well. Yeah. No. Uh, I, but that, ultimately, that's a, when you call. But ultimately, when you break the all-time points record, I think think you're doing something right. So yeah. I don't really know how that one could be an argument. No. No, and I don't think – right. I, I think Tata, you, you, I mean, you get – Martino just he, – he gets a mention because he helped build that team and coming out of uh, – Coming oh, out of you know expansion yeah. bid, I mean that's it was a it was an uncanny season for uh, historically what what has been um, you know extremely difficult to do. Yeah. Um, so coach, I think we agree on. So let's get to this. You alluded that you would not have voted Diego Valeri. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most valuable <laughs> player. Uh, are you high? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> No, so and, explain yourself, and, and and you know I got some hate texts, or you know people saw it from Maddie, uh, Matthias, and I are very good friends, but uh, yeah, I think he was very, very uh, as as the, they say, peeved off. Uh, no, so okay, so MLS does this whole thing to where they give you, and it's very um, indiscriminate. Uh, they provide uh, an additional assist for various reasons uh, and their additional uh, reasoning isn't always clear and this isn't to say that Valeri wasn't good Valeri was extremely good I think he, Valeri had easily one of his best seasons that he's had and I feel like that really saying something because you know obviously uh, not last year but the year before he led the Timbers to the not just the playoffs but the MLS Cup uh, on a team that was really uh, underwhelming in general and you know again this year they losing Fernando Adi uh, f- whether that and, and possibly even having personality issues um, I say personality issues self-destructiveness on that team that could have uh, happened and he really pulled them not just out of the gutter but uh, to the top of the west and I think that says a lot about them so when I say I wouldn't have cast my vote for him it's not because I think he's a bad player 
right? Like, I, I think that could be misinterpreted uh, monumentally. Uh, I think he's a very talented player. That being said, you look at, you know, who the finalists were for the Landon Donovan MLS, you know, uh, MVP award. Uh, you have Via, you have Javinko. Javinko, let's face it, Javinko had one amazing season. Since then, he's been above average. And that might be due to him being a little bit more willing to give up the ball to his teammates. I don't see that the data shows that. I think in all actuality, I think he's kind of just been figured out from a defensive side. I think that uh, he's still a volume shooter and that volume shooter has still lent him to be successful despite that pressure and despite all the other things. And I think he's an incredible free kick taker, which also compounds. Um, So uh, look, him and Valeria are probably a lot closer um, than I think a lot of people would uh, let on. But I, I would go with David Villa. Uh, David Villa, who really is the reason why NYC is anywhere near um, anywhere near the playoffs. Look, um, expected goals plus expected assists have has him um, at 22 versus uh, Nikolic. I know you know he's at 24. Uh, he did a lot of things. The problem is is that. Uh, Nikolic basically um, he shot the ball much more than he actually passed it and those shots came at you know an assist rate of almost 80% versus you know less than 70% for David Villa so David Villa is basically doing a whole hell of a lot more with the ball getting more of his teammates involved and they're still scoring more goals and preventing more goals um, than what Chicago was. And I think for that reason, I'd cast for David Villa with Nikolic as my number two. Um, and then you can have Larry and Javinko fight it out. Wow. The hottest of takes. I, I <laughs> See, I don't I, – I was really surprised. I didn't realize how hot that – like, that makes a lot of sense in my mind. Like, I think Villa is by far the best – was the best player this season. I don't – I don't see how that's a hot take. I, I think I guess the my take is that I think MVP award goes to Nicolich or goes to Via over Nicolich, and that would be the hot take, rather than those being one and two and Valeri being three. Right, right. Because I mean he has he has padded assists because MLS gave him uh, quote unquote secondary assists from uh, and, and granted I think it was only three of them so I mean he still ends up with you know over 20 you know it's a huge accomplishment he still had a really great season that being said um, it, it's a lot it, it it's less significant than what people will look at and if you look at the underlying numbers you know via just had a better year and you know is on an arguably worse team um, I, I think you know you you can make that argument oh I, I... That New York is less talented than Portland. I don't. I don't think you can make that argument. Uh, okay. But okay. I think okay. I think Char. Um, I think Char is better than Ring. I, 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 I think he's a great deal better than Ring. In fact, and I think that we're canceling this podcast. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Okay. All right. I'm just shutting I'm, it down. I'm, shut it down. <laughs> I'm taking off my headset. Bye. Take it, uh, all right. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> take. We, I actually, you know, I want to do a whole episode on just that topic. Because <laughs> I feel like I, we could go round and round for about another hour on that. Uh, but uh, Probably. all right, 
so yeah, um, I mean, I voted for Valeria. Just that that sheer volume of numbers and 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 just I felt like the situation Portland was in, um, and how he kind of just drug him out of it. I, I know Villas is definitely comparable, and maybe I had like a little more. Um, you know, if he won it last year, maybe, maybe I just felt like it, it, this would this was his year, and, and maybe like he kind of, uh, as a career player, like you know, maybe he should have had this one. So maybe I got a little sentimental, uh, and and that was to my detriment. But but uh, <laughs> it seems like most people agree with me. So maybe. Let's see, uh, you know, the automa- the thing that pissed me off was that um, someone on Twitter said. Oh, Nicklich won the Golden Boot. So, you know, it was like sarcasm because he didn't win the MVP award. It was like a step in the right direction for real soccer. And, and uh, I was like, that's bullshit. Because. Oh, that was. Yeah, yeah that had to do with Almiron and Nicklich and the newcomer ballot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's. And that's. Excuse me. I know. We try not to swear on this podcast, make it family friendly. But look, I mean, it's really infuriating. It's really frustrating because to me, the underlying numbers don't say anything positive about Almiron. And we can see, obviously, Almiron's a very good player. All right. We're, we're not trying to cast dispersions and say, oh, he's a terrible player. Shouldn't be up for any more. Look, he's very good he's very young he's got a bright future obviously he's probably headed to europe that being said i really thought nikolic overall was a better executor and uh, did more for chicago to help chicago go from being a really bad team to a team that well was one of the better teams in mls as you just said we were at one point debating whether or not they were even the best team in mls so yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. So, just to record, Harrison says Toronto's going to MLS Cup. He guarantees it. If they don't, he will send each of you $1 if you can prove you listen to the show. Uh, and he thinks that <laughs> the Portland Timbers are top to bottom a better and more talented team than NYCFC, which we'll discuss at a later date in depth. But I think that that's all we've got for tonight. Yeah, this was fun. I'm glad that we did this spontaneously. And this turned Me out too. really good. Me too. Yeah, and uh, I don't know about you, but I will be watching the Major League Soccer Cup final. Uh, I believe it's 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on a television network. ESPN, Unimos, TSN. TSN, okay. So we did our league plug. Uh, Make sure, guys, go visit AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. Go look at the XG charts so you know what we're talking about. Go look at these underlying numbers. Follow them on Twitter. Analysis Evolved. At Analysis Evolved. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at TotalMLS. I will be doing uh, gifts and hopefully funny comments during uh, this final game of the season. Uh, but uh, that is all for tonight. I'm Ian, and uh, thank you very much, Harrison. And we will see you next season or in a couple weeks, depending on what we decide to do. <laughs> to be determined. Adios. To be determined. Shut your face. High school jerks We're about to show you how this works Are we cool? Laser beams We're about to awesome all your dreams And you'll say, what are you, some kind of computer? And we'll say, a cyborg pimp from the future And I'm going deaf for cheesy
rock. Say whatever I think you're more wrong.